Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in this wonderful, fast-paced um, series on Romans that we started a year ago, and we're in chapter 3. Um, and so uh, today, we're going to focus on grace. And, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But last week, we went through the first part of chapter 3, where Paul is addressing some big stuff. He's talking about the Jewish people. He's talking about how they have been entrusted with the ordinances of God, and that's a special and wonderful thing, but does that make them greater than anyone else? And he would tell you, no. And he makes the statement that God is faithful even when we are not faithful. Think about that for a second. God is faithful even when we are not faithful. That means his faithfulness is not conditioned to whether or not we do the right things. How many, is a, how many of you are parents? How many of you react when your kids do something they're not supposed to be doing? Yeah. And there's some of us that are just too tired to address the conflict that we just go, oh, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> you see the extremes, right? And Paul addresses the naysayers that would say that well, God being faithful, and we're, even if we're not, is cheap grace. And why don't we just keep going and go on sinning because it glorifies him and shows that he's right and all this, but it, it gives a really unhealthy look at grace, doesn't it? If we approach it that way. And chapters 3, 4, and 5 really hit this of faith and of grace. And today you heard a litany of things the human condition influenced by sin. And it wasn't very encouraging. You heard, no one is this, no one is that, no one is this, no one is that. And you go, man, wow, that's encouraging. I'm ready to go. I'm a sinner. Yeah, let's do this thing. No, it doesn't feel very good, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't feel very good. But Paul doesn't leave us there. When we read this passage, we're all in the same boat. And Paul is saying the Jews might have been given a responsibility that is, in our measurements, probably one of the highest you can get. As Christians, we, we carry that, don't we? We carry the name of Jesus. And sometimes it's, easier for, it's easy for us to go from a place of humility and go to a place of judgment because we have the answers. It can. Has anyone met a judgmental Christian? trick question we're all in that boat but what we can do is we can take that and take God's grace and then abuse his grace so uh, I used to love I still do not used to I love my mom's cookies when she bakes them right they who who knows someone in your family or friend is a great baker when they make cookies you're like whoa and the worst thing for you to hear when you smell them baking and ready to go, they're not for you, they're for something else. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. And as a kid, when they're put on the rack to cool off and mom leaves the kitchen, oh, it's time. <laughs> it's time to make that decision. The first cookie, <laughs> notice it said the first cookie because it's never just one, is it? You know why? Because you get over the guilt and shame real quick. You go, 
Well, I already feel guilty for eating this one. I might as well eat six more. <laughs> I'm already in trouble. I might as well. Is that not life? I've already stepped out of bounds. I'm already in trouble. Might as well do a few more things. And some of us are better at it than others. One of the things as a parent I get annoyed with sometimes because I'm really competitive is when, is when everyone gets a participation ribbon when you're doing sports or something. You know, For me, it's like when I got one, I don't want that. I want to win. I want to get that. But we're all in the same boat when it comes to sin. We've all got the participation ribbons. And then there are some that win the race that are better at it than others. And we laugh, but it's true, isn't it? And we view God's grace as cheap. And it's a shame because it's not. It cost him everything. But one of the things I want to really uh, drill down on is our understanding of grace. If I were to say to you, if I just came up to you, and I want you to participate with me, if I came up to you off the street and I asked you, what is grace? What is it? I don't want you to overthink it. What is it? Forgiveness. Jesus, forgiveness. What else? Undeserved favor. Yep. What else? What else? What? An expression of God's love to us. Yeah. What was the other one I heard over here? Second chances. I like that too. Forgetfulness. I know what you mean by that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. These are all good answers, and they're not wrong answers. But today I want to look at a definition of grace that I think is important for us moving on as a, as a church that wants to be with Jesus. Ask what he's saying, and how do you want me to respond? When I looked last week, when we looked at the beginning of chapter 3, and we see this faithfulness that is not conditioned by ours, God cannot not be faithful. He has to be who he is. You cannot be faithful if he's not faithful first. Whether you acknowledge it or not is irrelevant. It is. You cannot be faithful to anything or anyone without him being faithful first. It's the same principle as love. I love because he first loved me. So, he has to be who he is, regardless of what we do, because if, if it's conditioned to what we do, then he's not faithful, which means he's not trustworthy, which means we can't surrender. What a brilliant God. These are not attributes of God. These are realities of God. They're part of his character. You cannot have faithfulness without grace, and you cannot have grace without faithfulness. So this is a working definition we're going to use this morning. Grace affords us the space or opportunity to receive and exercise God's faithfulness. Let me say that again. God's grace affords us the space or opportunity to receive and exercise God's faithfulness. He's faithful first. 
And then when we watch and we receive and we learn, we can be faithful. Now, how does that apply to what we're talking about today? Well, Paul gives us this litany, and he says in verse 19, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Let me say that again. For no one can, be, can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Now, if I left it at that today, that's frustrating. But we're not going to do that. But now, verse 21, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in whom? Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And let me tell you what that means. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you've seen, what you've heard. When we come to a place of repentance and acknowledging that God loves us and we love him back, that he's faithful and we become faithful in return. And I'm not talking about just being obedient to the law. I'm talking about being obedient to the call of entering a relationship with him. We are made right with him. That's the gospel. The grace of God is not something that condones actions. It gives us the space to learn and to see who he is. If grace is just a vehicle, it's not that big to me. Grace is for you and for me to understand the potency of relationship with Jesus. It gives us access to him. It's a forgiveness of our sins. It gives us access to him for eternity. For eternity. To have a relationship with him. This whole thing, all of scripture, is about relationship with Jesus. All of it. No call to go to the mission field and do this and do that and no call to be in a church or here and there has any importance if it's not about relationship with Jesus and reconciling people that don't know him to now know him. It doesn't matter because now it's doing religious things. We've become Pharisees again and a slave to a law that Jesus' presence already fulfills. The reason why he's the fulfillment of the law is because he makes it simple. He streamlines everything. The law was given to us so that we could see that we are sinful and whom we need. And Jesus is the manifestation of who we need and hopefully who we want. Because if I'm in relationship with Jesus and I'm watching him in my life and, and I'm doing the things he's called me to do because I love him, not just because of blind obedience, because I love him. Love will lead me to obedience but it will come from a relational sense of obedience, not obligation. And when I love him and I allow him to love me back, I'm going to do the things the law would require anyways, but not because I'm told to, because I want to. It's a reflection of who he is in my life. So God's grace affords us the space and opportunity to respond to that faithfulness. The first one is, Lord, I'm a sinner and I repent and I want you. 
and we're all in that boat. That's the first step of stepping into his grace. The next is, now, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? And oftentimes, and I've noticed more and more as we continue to ask those questions, Lord, what do you want to say and how do you want me to respond? And I found myself even going through this. I don't, sometimes I don't want to hear what he has to say. I just want him to hear what I have to say. And then call it prayer and listening to God. <laughs> well, I am. I'm listening for if he's going to acquiesce my request. <laughs> but that's not the right posture, is it? That selling his grace is cheap. His grace is to afford you the space to know him, to accept him, to have faith in him. And Paul says it's the only way we're made right with God. And grace is his presence giving us space to do that. Someone said second chances. We don't want to take advantage of that. We don't want to abuse that, but we know it's there because God's grace affords us the space. Are you with me? And there are places in our life we have to step into that space because shame keeps us from stepping in. Guilt keeps us from stepping in. I've done too much wrong. I'm disqualified. Well, not according to Paul, not according to the Lord who says, uh, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, no matter who you are. And there's a point where we got to stop feeling sorry for ourselves and the bad mistakes we've made and recognize the reality that no matter what you've done, Jesus loves you so much, he died for you to give you the space to receive him and know him and call him by name as he calls you by name. That is a faithful God that will always be faithful no matter what choice you make. Well, great. What does this look like in my daily life to step into that kind of grace? I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. And how often we squelch it. I'm learning as a parent, and it's a hard, 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 hard lesson. How often I take away grace from my kids. How many are reactive as a parent? They do something like, and you wish you could take that. You watch the words leave and you try to grab them, but you realize uh, they don't have physical form. <laughs> and you can't take them back. They've hit the airwaves, and they're going to hit the heart. And I've noticed as a parent, as I get reactive, and it doesn't matter which kid it is, because they both drive me nuts sometimes, and I will react. And what I've done is I have squelched space to respond. And sometimes, I'm not saying we don't discipline our kids. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when I haven't thought it through, when I'm just reacting, when my faithfulness to, to love and to walk some of my kids through the process it takes a back burner because I've been inconvenienced by their bad behavior, what I've done is squelch their opportunity to learn and to know me better and to be disciplined in relationship. I've squelched it. That box and that space, I have just obliterated it. Praise God he doesn't do that to us. 
And praise God, he gives me the space and the grace to learn and to remedy that and sit my kids down and say, please forgive me, I was reactive. I tell my kids now, if I'm reactive, you tell me. Well, now everything I do is reactive, just so they can tell me something. <laughs> so be careful what you invite your kids into. <laughs> but God's grace is simple in the sense of what it accomplishes, what it provides. Because in the Christian community, it's something that's in our church titles, it's something that's in our curriculum titles, it's a word we use all the time, but it has so much weight to it. It's not cheap, it's not fluffy, it's not something, well, that person did all these bad things to show them some grace. Now that kind of posture is avoiding conflict. I'm not talking about that kind of grace. I'm talking about a kind of grace that is faithful all the time, even when it makes God look like he's puny because he, it looks like to us he's just letting things go. He's not. He has to be faithful so that you and I can have opportunity to say yes to him. He has to be. And he doesn't care how it makes him look to us because he knows who he is. He knows. He's not threatened by your opinions or your anger. He welcomes it because at least you're engaging him. We get in our own way. Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself. Oftentimes we think that's show your loyalty and your faithfulness to Jesus because he told you to. No, not just that. It's him providing a way for you to get out of your own way. Because when I choose what I want over what he wants, I miss his grace and faithfulness. Deny what I want so I am not getting in the way of what he wants for me. He's trying to protect you and me, not turn you into drones. It's a relational directive for your protection. And it keeps us with him if we are obedient to it. How many have sought after what you want and then you get it and you're like, this stinks? All the time, I want the cookie. Now I have a tummy ache and I'm grounded. God is not a tyrant. He doesn't need us to add anything to his character. He made us out of his sheer delight. There's nothing we can do for him that's going to provide him with something he doesn't have. He just wants you. He just wants me. And I want to end with this story, because I've shared this story before, and sometimes I go, man, I don't want to share the same story I've shared before. But I asked the Lord, Lord, is there a story? And this is the one, and I rolled my eyes, and he said, stop rolling your eyes. <laughs> Fine. And I rolled my eyes. But when we step into God's grace undeserving as it is. And just receive it. I'm terrible at receiving. I can't receive a gift to save my life. I'm always, you can ask my folks. <laughs> I mean, it's always, it's always kind of a little argument. <laughs> now just receive it. Don't do this. Don't do that. Just receive it. Anyone in that? But when we allow ourselves to receive the space he gives us, to see what he's doing in our life and accept it and step into it. And we get over our egos. I don't deserve this. 
I'm not good enough. When we can get over that, we will see him do something in our hearts transformational because we're finally getting out of our own way. We're denying ourselves the pity party. That doesn't mean hurts aren't true and real. They are. But sometimes they can hang us up from stepping into healing that's right in front of us. Amen? And I was waitering um, to make money during uh, seminary. And again, I've shared this with some. And I was at a low point in my life, questioning my call in life, questioning my value, questioning everything. You know, of course, that kind of spiral starts over a relationship or the, lo- the loss of one. Am I going to be with anybody? Ugh. Feeling pathetic. Has anyone felt that way? Pathetic. And I'm walking in there, and if you've been to San... Anyone been to San Diego? Anyone been to the La Jolla area? And everything is named Scripps? Okay. Well, the wife of the guy whose everything is named after, and I just call her Mrs. Scripps. I don't even know her first name. She's, it was a retirement facility I was working at, and I would see the same people every day. And these are wealthy people. And she loved the Lord. And she knew I was in seminary, so we had good conversations. She said, someday I'd like, you to, inter- I'd like to introduce my pastor to you. I said, sure. Hey, great. I'm like, I don't want to meet anybody. I hate life right now. Okay. And I remember one day I come into the dining hall, and there she is walking into the front doors of the dining hall, and here's this man who can barely walk. He looks 95. That's a very specific number, but he looks in his 90s. And he looks at me. We weren't even introduced, and he looks at me. You know, sometimes when God's in it and someone looks at you, you almost want to look away because you know God sees you. You go, oh, no, this is a dog on the hunt. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm trying to avoid this man because I can feel it. I can feel that God is not going to allow me to swim in my stuff any longer without a way out. And so this man comes up to me, and he just, and he was real short, but his back was broken. And so he's hobbling in, and he grabs my hand, and I, he says, I hear your name is Brendan. And he looks at me. I mean, just real intense. I'm I'm good at eye contact, but that made me feel uncomfortable. And so I just, yeah, yeah, I do the pleasantries. And then I let him do his thing. And I end up serving their table. I'm told my boss says, that's your area. I'm like, oh, swell. This is going to be a long night. And every time I go back, he's asking me questions. And they're wrecking me. And finally, he grabs me. And I was like, the strength of Samson. He just pulled me down. This little guy just pulled me down. And I'm sitting there on my knee, and he said, he said, he just looked at me, and he just goes, he goes, do you have a lady in your life? And I'm like, that's hitting right to my core, because that's what I'm dealing with at the time. And I'm, I'm trying not to cry, because it's a fresh wound. I'm ticked off that he asked me. I want to slap this guy around. <laughs> I know he can take it, because he just shrugged me down there. <laughs> I said, no, sir, I don't. He goes, you will. I said, great. And I kind of roll my eyes. And, uh, and then now I walk away and I'm more mad than I was when I walked in. But then as we're leaving, I'm just, and then I feel guilty for being mad at this guy, for saying nice things. And I'm so mad. I'm just, 
And then I'm mad at myself, and I feel guilty and ashamed. And I'm like, how could I even be a pastor? How am I even a Christian? I'm getting wrecked by a girl. I can't, I'm a wuss. I'm this. I'm that. I, 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 me, me, me. And I thought the dining room was empty, and here comes this man. He's the last one to leave the table, and he hobbles over to me. And every cuss word you can think of was going through my mind because I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to know what was going to happen next. And he grabs me down to his level, and he looks at me with even greater intensity than he did before. He said, and to this day it crushes me, he goes, I want you to know that I see the sweetness of Jesus in you. And you need to know that. And he walked away. Never saw him again. I hit the floor sobbing. And I'm like, and I saw my boss watching. I'm like, I'm fired. <laughs> She's a Buddhist. She had very specific, we had specific discussions. I'm fired. And at that moment, I didn't care. And that was grace, God's grace, giving me space to go, my circumstances don't dictate my value or how God sees me. My choices to reject all the messages before did not stop God from still trying to get to me. It did not stop. You know what ended up happening? I look over at my boss, ready for my pink slip, say, get out of here, and she's on her face crying. Because she saw a God that saw the least of these. She saw a God who loved and gave space and opportunity in ways that don't make sense and shouldn't happen. Then I find out this guy, his name is Harold Bredis, and he's known all over the world. I had no idea who he was. And when I tell people, they go, what? Well, I didn't know. And the humility of the man to look at me, a server serving his food, it felt like Jesus. Because this was a man who knew how to walk in grace and give a hard word that was a good word and the right word to someone he didn't know. God's grace affords us the space to receive and exercise his faithfulness. Never forget it. It's not just something he does, it's who he is. And we are a church that is to walk, to walk in that space and learn and receive and pour out what he pours in, not out of a sense of fulfilling the law. That's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It is a love response to the love he has for us. Let us as a church, not just at Bridgewood, but God's church in which Jesus is the head, never forget that. His grace is not cheap. It's priceless. And it affords you every opportunity to know and love him in return out of his great love for you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for you are faithful. And it is not something you do, it's something you are. It's who you are. And I thank you that your love for us is not conditional. We make it so by confusing the purpose of the law and the purpose of faithfulness and obedience, and we make it what we think it should be. But I'm taken back to when I held my daughter for the first time, and I loved her with something I, could, I love I couldn't express, and she didn't do anything. 
nothing to deserve it. I loved her because she's mine. And you love us because we're yours. And we don't deserve it, but it doesn't matter. You still love us. And through your son, you broke the, the bondage of sin so that relationship can stay intact always for eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you for your faithfulness. And may we not shun grace, but step into it. Whether we think we've earned it or deserved it or not, that's not a criteria that gets us to that place. It's who you are and your love for us. Thank you, Jesus. You know where we're at right now? And you're already trying to meet us there, so may we be aware of you and meet you there and allow ourselves to step in to the hard work of relationship and grace that you have for us that didn't come cheap. Glory, Lord. Lord, as we take our tithes and our offerings, everything on my calendar, my bank account, and my energy tanks is yours. It's yours. So as the plate comes forward, I pray that we would respond, whatever you're leading us to, and trust you. We would trust you in the unknown. We trust you in the moment. We trust you with our past. We trust you. And we can do that because you're faithful. You're never not faithful. May we continue now not to worship worship, but worship you in spirit and truth. For you're worthy and we glorify your name. In Jesus' name we praise your church, which is an honor to be a part of. Amen.
Oh, 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 oh,